The Temple Emmanuel Annual Thanksgiving Concert is coming up. On November 28th, join us in person or online for a performance from Safam. Safam is a Jewish rock band from Boston who have played together since 1974, recording over 15 albums. Watch Cantor Elias Rosenberg's interview with Safam member Joel Sussman and purchase your tickets online today at templeemmanuel.com. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Last year, that question was fraught, with many of us going virtual, gathering outdoors, or even staying home. This year, that question is fraught. The pandemic is not over, but it has been so long. From last Thanksgiving to this, we've seen modern miracles, vaccination, rapid testing, new treatments, giving us the space to consider carefully coming back together again. And so there's joy in anticipation of Thursday's Thanksgiving table. A friend shared with me that she was beyond excited to break out the leaves to her dining room table to entertain extended family again. It had been so long she had nearly forgotten where she put them until it hit her that that meant that her extended family was coming. <laughs> we all have a Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving in our hearts. But for some, the liberation from challenging family dynamics that last year brought was, well, liberating. As one comic joked, hospitality is making your guests feel like they are at home, even when you wish they were. Even the most loving of extended families can contain, shall we say, complexity, especially in our polarized modern times. So many of our families contain some version of Uncle Albert, ardent Second Amendment campaigner, who is meant to sit at the table with cousin Jonah gun control activist, or Aunt Edna, who grudgingly got vaccinated and is now partying like it's 1999, and Grandma Grace, who was first in line for her booster and remains cautious about when and where and how she emerges from her pandemic bunker. What's more, is that they don't like each other. Not one bit. How do we organize the place cards? How do we cut the tension between the turkey course and the treats? In some ways, distance made the heart grow fonder. But as we prepare to come together again, perhaps with very different ideas about what we've been going through has meant, perhaps with very different perspectives 
on the issues that impact our world and our lives today, what have we learned? It turns out that, as always, our Torah reading is right there with us. It gives us two brothers with two very different approaches to the world. One is an outdoorsman. He's decisive, passionate, with a temper that flares and an equally soft heart that's not afraid to cry. The other is a strategist, a chess player in the game of life, focused on doing whatever it takes to fulfill his destiny. Not surprisingly, they don't much care for each other. In fact, the last time they saw each other, the first, Jacob, had taken their father's deathbed blessing. And in return, his brother Esau had threatened to kill him. We pick up their story after many years of distance. Jacob is headed back home with some trepidation, sending messengers with gifts. And those messengers famously report back, your brother Esau is coming with 400 men. Certain that he understands exactly what that means, certain that Esau is coming to make good on that long-ago threat, Jacob prepares for the worst. As Maya Angelou once said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And Jacob is living by that motto. But flip forward a few verses, and the real Esau runs to kiss and to hug Jacob, weeping at their heartfelt reunion. And yet, this story is no happily ever after. So sure that Esau is not the type of person that you want to go home with, Jacob's go-to move is again deception. When Esau invites his long-lost brother home, Jacob begs off. The cattle and the flocks are slow, he says. The kids need a nap. You go ahead. I'll catch up. I'll meet you there. And Esau starts to head home, and Jacob goes the other way. If you read this chapter closely, you may notice that even though the Torah appears to present us with a possibility of reconciliation, Jacob doesn't leave room for that. Jacob does a lot of talking about himself. I have lots of cattle. I have a big family. He never actually asks his brother who he is and what matters to him. We know how that plays out, estrangement of an entire people from each other, violence between descendants for thousands of years. What we'll never know is what would have happened if instead of assuming that he knew who Esau was, Jacob got curious, leaned in, and said, tell me about your life, brother. 
Which brings us back to our Thanksgiving table. Can we make room for our family members to be more than they appear? Now, I'm not talking about those who are abusive or hold on to a desire to do you harm. I'm talking about those who, like Esau, can let go of old pain or even fresh preconception. The people who showed up. Can we be curious in ways that imagine that divergent opinions affiliations, and even actions may not have to be the end of our road. Can we do more than tensely bury ourselves in cranberry sauce and talk about the weather? This week, CNN ran an article about an organization that tries to do more, not only on Thanksgiving, but all year round. They figured that when it's time to learn something about a subject, we can go to a library and check out a book. But when we want to learn something complicated about people, our options are often limited by the presumptions that stand in between us and the discomfort that that creates. And so they decided that it was time for a new kind of library, a human library where rather than books, you can check out people for what they call conversations without condemnation. No question is out of bounds, and their motto is unjudge someone. Columnist John Blake relays, on a rainy spring morning in Muncie, Indiana, a white, middle-aged conservative woman met a transgender woman. It did not start well. The transgender woman, Charlize Jameson, stood up and extended her hand, and the other woman refused to take it. But she didn't leave. They both sat down to talk, and then they discovered that while they're different in some ways. They both were Christians. They gave each other space to ask and to answer, even when it was uncomfortable. And their conversation hit the 30-minute mark that was planned, and then a 40-minute mark, and then a 50, until they had been together for a full hour. At the end of that conversation, the conservative woman rose from her seat and gave the other a hug. What modern magic happened there? It turns out an ancient one. The simple practice of asking and answering, not to fortify positions, but to connect as people searching for what we share. Jameson reflects of the encounter. There's rough edges around people, and people form opinions. But then you get in front of them, and you're sometimes like a nail file, filing off those rough edges. 
we could all use a nail file this season. This Thanksgiving, if you are blessed to share it, whether in person or online, check out your relatives. Listen with curiosity. Engage. You'll never know what you'll find. Shabbat Shalom.